Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Spark. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across the UK. Today we present three more stories with members of the Sex Workers Open University. Your host is Miranda Kane. And this episode features some highly sexual language from the very beginning. I'm going to uh, start off just by telling you a quick story um, that, that uh, happened to me. This was um, sort of one of my one of my very last clients that I had, and, and you'll probably realise why he was one of my last ones. Um, so I, I had an appointment with a guy, and and he said he wanted to be tied up and dominated, and he wanted a bit of anal play with with a look towards going towards uh, 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 being done with a strap on. Now <laughs> there's already some people in the room thinking, well, if it's his first time doing anal play, then. Do doing a strap-on might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I don't want to brag, ladies and gentlemen, but I am packing. I have got eight inches of solid plastic with your name on. Uh, so he said, oh, I want to be tied up. So I tie him up and I'm, I'm getting into the role play of it. I'm like, I'm going to tie you up and I'm going to make sure that my next client comes in here and starts fucking you up the arse. No, I don't, I don't think I would agree with that at all. It's not getting his, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, mind fart. What's it called? Sub on. Uh, pardon? It's not getting his sub on. not getting his sub on. Yes, yes. I was going for suspension of disbelief, but getting his sub on, that's... <laughs> I did tell you about the wine. Um, so... So I, I immediately start putting the ball gag on. I'm not having any of that. Um, and I, before I do, I'm like, I'm like, right, okay, well, is there anything else that, that, that you'd like? And he turns around and says, don't steal my stuff. <laughs> he was in my flat. <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure where he expected me to go. So I said, I may not steal your stuff, but I might not use as much lubricant as I should do. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, okay, please welcome your, your next storyteller and welcome to the... Sl- st- st- I'm getting mixed up because her name is Miss Sly! <laughs> Hello. Okay, as a sex worker, I spend a lot of the time trying to prove to people that I'm a real person. I mean, with non-inclusive feminism, 
A lot of the time we're kind of treated like we're not real people either if we don't fit into a stereotype of being either a victim or a villain or repentant in some way then we're apparently not real apparently we're not representative if we you know speak out and say we want rights not rescue it, it, it gets difficult sometimes just arguing with people on the internet mostly <laughs> and you know we're told that we sell our bodies and ourselves and I'm still here I've not sold my body or myself. I'm, I still exist. I'm still a real person. And, and then, you know, you get the patriarchy as well. You get guys you meet in pubs who, you know, not the clients, but just guys you meet in pubs who, they, you know, they think that all we are is kind of like extras from Grand Theft Auto or, you know, just these kind of disposable people or, again, as a, as a pro-dom... Being told that, you know, we can't be a real, you know, we can't be into lifestyle BDSM because we do it for money. You know, if we, if we don't do everything for free that some random guy wants us to do, then apparently, yeah, not real. I guess everybody's got aspects of themselves. I mean, I know there's a lot of, a lot of pro-doms in here and, you know, we're not dominant all the time. I'm often told by people, you don't, you don't seem like a dominatrix. You don't, you know, you, you're nice, as if they expect me to just... As if they expect me to just kind of walk in and just greet everyone with a big kick in the balls. And, um, and so, yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to just prove I'm a real person and I guess, you know, we've all got these aspects of ourselves and... Each of these aspects is just part of kind of what makes up the entire self and kind of be everything that you are because tomorrow you could get hit by a bus. So I got hit by a bus, an actual bus in, in 2010, and which really, really changed things because, I mean, before that I was kind of doing okay and then I, I had to have a lot of time off and it's, it's really strange... Because I, at the time, I, I don't remember anything. I, I, I lost my memory for a long time. I mean, I have no recollection of the accident itself. And um, I was told that apparently I was conscious afterwards. And when I was in the road, I was telling people I was fine and that I just had to go home, which does sound like me. <laughs> but um, I have no memory of this. And it's really strange to think kind of what is a real person? I mean, what is the real person if... If I can't remember any of those things, if I'm, you know, if I, apparently I was there, but really I kind of wasn't there, not consciously, not at all. Though actually, funnily enough, my, my partner, when I was in hospital, he said the first time he, you know, because he knew I had a brain injury and that I was kind of out of it, but the first time he knew that I was still me, that I was still in there, was that I still did bad puns. <laughs> and um, and I, again, I have no memory of any of this. But apparently, in the hospital, I had a commode, and I named it Mark Commode. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so that that was when he knew I was still in there. I was still the real me. And you know, and it's kind of you know what I mean. What is real? I mean, for a, a long time after the accident, I thought that everything that was happening wasn't real at all. I mean, even from what I can remember, I thought that. It was all just some weird coma dream that I was still unconscious, that everything that was happening wasn't real at all. I mean, because again, when my partner, when he proposed to me, I, it was about five months after the accident, and I was sort of with it, but not 
entirely. And we'd we'd gone to Malta, and he'd sort of, you know, he'd warned me in advance because I've got freakishly small hands, so he had to get the ring size measured. So, you know, he couldn't really spring a marriage proposal on me. But then when he did propose... At the exact moment he proposed, and I, well, basically he got on his knees and said, will you be my significant other? And I said, fuck yeah. And, and then a load of fireworks went off. And I was like, did you plan this? He was like, no. <laughs> and it was just pure coincidence. And I was like, is this actually happening? Is this not in a film? Or, like, is it, you know? And I, I, have, I had no idea really for a long time what was real and what wasn't. And... Again, being a dominatrix with a brain injury and PTSD is always a little bit tough because, you know, just having to be that strong person, that person in people's fantasies who is strong, who is kind of taking over and kind of being on the way to an appointment and having to kind of pull down a panic attack. And, yeah, it, that, it happened a lot and just, yeah, kind of having to cover that and still be the fantasy within the reality and still be the real me because, uh, you know, my dominant side is a part of the real me, but sometimes it just gets kind of lost under some of the other stuff, and sometimes it's hyperventilating. And <laughs> so anyway, you know, we're all real people. Sex workers are real people, and unlike, you know, the character played by Anne Hathaway, who's completely fucking fictional. So anyway, thank you. <laughs> I had to run through there because I needed to get the, the running order. Sorry. Uh, so, um, because there's a, some very important bit of information here, uh, because this next young lady, she writes at the Sassy Lap Dancer blog. Uh, so, please go and check it out after we've heard from Billy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Billy, and I, I write at the Sassy Lap Dancer blog. And um, I don't know how hard you're all looking at me right now, but um, I didn't always used to be like this. Okay. Um, uh, I used to actually be a 32, 26, 32. Um, and for those of you who aren't very good with maths, that's like fucking perfection, okay? Um, and uh, I was lucky enough for these uh, gifts to be um, kind of naturally given to me. I, was, I, was, I turned 15 and um, I blossomed into a very beautiful, sexy, curvy kind of young teenager. And um, as I was leaving kind of college and high school and everything, um, everyone was always saying to me to utilize my talents, you know, and, and go out and get a job and, um, you know, kind of use, your, use all the gifts that you have. And, I mean, I was actually a straight-A student, um, but I thought that my really kind of key gift that really made me stand out from the crowd was obviously the kind of massive tits, the tiny waist and the, and the great ass that I'd been given. Um, <laughs> so, and being 19 and living in London... Um, you know, it's, London's a fantastic city, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it's, it's fucking boring if you've grown up here. So I um, travelled the world as a stripper um, for, for years. Years I actually ended up travelling the world as a stripper. But I wanted to tell you about um, one, the first place that I danced abroad uh, when I was, when I was um, 
younger. I was, I was 19. I thought, what's, what's, where's really, really exciting in the world that I can go and dance in and work at? And um, one of the places which was very, very exciting and has actually been in the news for uh, kind of sex workers and gorgeous young ladies making a living um, dancing and talking and drinking and being sexy over, over somewhere was uh, Japan. Tokyo was absolutely fantastic. It was a really wild, crazy, crazy place. And I just wanted to kind of tell you a bit about um, how crazy it was. I turned up through an agency, and I th- I th- I'm not sure exactly what they did with my visa. I think I was on a tourist. I don't really know, but um, we were, there was a load of us girls from all over the world. There was some from... Um, Eastern Europe and Russia. There was quite a few Australian girls, and there was there was there was actually only one 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 English girl, and that was that was me. Obviously, the Lucy Blackman thing had kind of stolen that kind of market, um, <laughs> unless you were young and dumb and nineteen. But we were actually at the time you weren't allowed to rent a normal apartment there um, if you were gaijin, which is a foreigner. In, in, in Japanese. And so we, they, they rented out a load of rooms in one place, which the locals called Pussy Plaza. <laughs> and it was just round the corner from Rapongi, which is fantastic. And I had the choice of two clubs, um, Seventh Heaven or Privatize. And obviously I chose Privatize because it sounded really classy. <laughs> uh, now, in Japan, it's very different to stripping in London. Um, in London, um, there's, a lot of, there's, there's quite a few rules. Uh, no touching is one of them. Um, of course, obviously, people are always brushing up against your leg. There's a particular move that strippers will understand, which is when a guy kind of rushes up and down your thigh like that. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a touch that no boyfriend would ever do. It's a really <laughs> creepy touch, but it's when you're, you're like that and they, they get their hands and they... Just go like that. But in Japan, you're allowed to touch all the way. All, sorry, all the way from... No, sorry, from there. You're not allowed to touch there. You're allowed to touch all the way from here and up here. Um, so I was getting my tits grabbed. Um, and we, we, had a, we had a nickname for this. Um, we used to call it... Because Japan's very famous for the fish markets um, and, and, and having a big radio tower, we used to call it the Tokyo Tuna. Because it was like... They used to come up and they used to twiddle your nipples like a little radio knob like that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Japan was fantastic and obviously the men there were crazy. One actually asked me if I could do a dance, give him a lap dance with a dildo and it was attached to his key ring, which was... <laughs> I said no for hygiene reasons. But you would think... You, <laughs> It had been in his pocket all day, and salary men have cheap, sweaty suits. It's not nice. Um, but, the, but the strangest customer I'm just going to leave you with, he wasn't actually Japanese, actually. Uh, he was American, and he was like a big old Texan. And if you imagine Jabba the Hutt, okay, he was this big, engorged kind of guy. I mean, I, can't, I don't even have arms big enough to say how big he is. He was huge, okay? He had like... Like this, this, this kind of big Texan. He was, he was like this mixed race guy, and and he was like Jabba the Hutt. And funnily enough, he had made his money. He was, he was a millionaire. He'd made his money running a helicopter company, which I found amazing because I don't know what kind of fucking helicopter would have picked him up. I mean, you needed a, you needed a, a, a crane to pick this man up. 
And we went upstairs. We went upstairs because he had to walk upstairs to, to get to the private dance booth. And he kind of wobbled up. And I was worried the fucking stairs were going to break. You know, it's built for tiny, weeny little Japanese people. He's coming up like this. He sits down and he's like, "Honey," he's like, "Oh, you're so sexy." You know, you know. Oh, you just want to. Fu- I just want to fuck you. And I was like, "Oh, you know, can't really do that here." And he's like, "I'll offer you two grand." And I kind of thought. Oh, and then I thought, no, because my medical bills would probably cost more than that if he squashed me. I was like, no, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I, 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 can, I can give you a really sexy lap dance. I was like, anything you want. How do you want me to act? How do you, what do you want me to do? Um, and, uh, and he was like, he just looked me straight in the eye. And he was like, and I was waiting for it. I was like, what? What's going to turn on this Texan guy? Probably sweet, cute little girl, something like that. And he said, I want you to make barnyard animal noises. <laughs> And yeah, and then I made my money go move. And that's it. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Please, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, we have the wonderful Killer Pussy. Hello, good evening. Um, with when my little group, well, my little harem of hussies, obviously I'm not the boss. I know, strange. Um, I'm well known for getting the strange jobs. The really strange ones. Not fucked up, just really fucking weird. So this is my story. <clears throat> you want me to eat you? Well, I can't do it all at once. I mean, you are 20 stone. <laughs> he invited me to dinner to discuss the matter. Pay me for my time. Paid to eat. Fuck yes! <laughs> Normally I have to hide my gluttony and mind my manners. I'm not really one for bourgeois bullshit. 
But also diving face first into a plate of food isn't really sexy. And as everybody knows, dominatrixes don't eat food. We eat slaves! (laughs) He looked at me and said, Oh, I hope you intend to eat a lot. Oh, yes, I thought. What a fucking crap time to be on a diet. But you know what? Even though I'm a left-wing, hippie, feminist activist, I'm still force-fed, misogynistic bullshit rammed down my throat that anything under a size zero with small boobs is an epic fail. Hence, somehow I'm always on a fucking diet. But not tonight! (laughs) He looked me up and down, smiling from ear to ear. Oh... You do like to eat. Now, normally this would be an insult. Jesus, you're a bit fat, aren't you? But ladies and gentlemen, not tonight, no. Because tonight is an epic Monty Python episode of Engorging Yourself, which I can do. (laughs) Because, ladies and gentlemen, I was born hungry. I looked at him straight in the eye and I said... I'm craving something, something I haven't had. Oh, what, what could that be? (laughs) (laughs) You think he was hooked? He was putty in my hand. I ate a soup. I ate a cold starter. I ate a hot starter. I ate a salad and I said to him, you've got to get your greens. I had a main pasta, I had a main fish, I had a main dessert. And when he went to the toilet, I shoved the dessert in my handbag and ordered another one. (laughs) Which I couldn't eat. I am merely one woman. He smiled and said, sweetheart, I'd like to take you to dinner every night. I thought, shut up, bitch, you ain't got enough money. Look at this chintzy place. You'd have to do a lot fucking better than this. (laughs) Over the course of the evening, he confided in me that his fantasy was to be eaten. I thought, you don't really deserve to be inside of me in any way, shape or form. But okay, let's indulge you. (laughs) I whispered to him that I would shave every inch of his body. And I would baste him from head to toe, slowly massaging it in. Next, I would tenderize him with my mallet. Now, it's actually quite hard to make being malleted sound sexy. (laughs) So I just slowed it down. As I mallet every inch of your body... Tenderizing your luscious meat for my hot, hungry mouth. (laughs) It was fucking hooked, yeah? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Next. I will get a sharp pole and slowly slide it into your mouth. Pushing, pushing, pushing until it comes out your tight ring. He looked like he was going to come in his panties, yeah? (laughs) Then I will put you on my spitros 
and I will turn you slowly over and over until every bit of your meat is falling off your bones. (laughs) Yum, yum. Next, I will put you at a centre of a great feast for all my dominatrix friends. <laughs> and we will scoff every little bit of you until all that is left is your shriveled up penis. <laughs> and that I will give to my dog. <laughs> woof, woof. Yeah, he never wanted to go through with it. <laughs> Bit of a shame, really, because I'd already devised a plan with a bit of cook... Well, a fucking massive whack of cooked pork with an electric bread knife. (laughs) That kind of thing. Time waster, but I did get paid, um, and I got a free dinner. Well, actually, I got a free dinner for four people, only it was just me eating. I was so full. You don't know how long it took me to waddle home. Thank you very much. (laughs) Killer Pussy! Thanks for listening to Spark. If you've enjoyed this, why not try coming to one of our nights? Full details at stories.co.uk 